my whole life is uh, uh, the one I have now was not the life that I started with, especially before the psyche. Uh, uh, you know, I had a great life in my regard to my professional career, but uh, my personal life really sucked. <laughs> and uh, I started to rewrite programs because I got my, let's say, my personal programs of uh, from observing my father. Well, if you observe my father, you say, well, he's quite a dysfunctional as a family father. And I go, yeah, he wasn't. Yet I downloaded his behavior. So 95% of the day I was playing the program I downloaded from him, which was self-sabotaging. Welcome to the Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. Okay, so let's dive in and get started today. I am so excited because we have Dr. Bruce Lipton on the show once again. And Bruce is an internationally recognized leader in bridging science and spirit, stem cell biologist, best-selling author of The Biology of Belief and recipient of the 2009 Goy Peace Award. He has been a guest speaker on hundreds, probably thousands, <laughs> tens of thousands of TV radio shows. As he was just telling me, he's traveling all over the world again, speaking, doing workshops. Bruce, welcome back to the show. Drew, I am so happy to be here with you. You know, one fact is uh, I certainly love having conversation with you, but the other fact is we have a great audience out there uh, and we need an audience at this time because everyone's quite aware if they're, uh, you know, surfing the web or reading or watching the news or even looking out their window. The world's in a state of chaos. Uh, and it's interesting because so many people are afraid of this uh, situation. It's, a, it's like falling apart. Mm. Uh, I just want people to really understand this is the best thing that could happen. <laughs> uh, and that's because uh, science has been telling us for 15 years and nobody's been paying attention that we're facing a mass extinction of our own creation and that in order to survive this uh, extinction which is not a thousand years from now it's within decades um, we have to change our our behavior as a whole civilization uh, and so it's very important for people to recognize that the breakdown of the system you see is vitally important because it allows us to build a new system. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't build it on the existing foundation because it's corrupt and that's why we're having all these problems. So my little sweet message here for the beginning is, yeah, look outside, it's going crazy. And I go, yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, you know, Bruce, I, I had this, it's funny, I had written down all these questions that I was going to ask you. And then, and then this morning, I'm like, you know what, I don't like any of these questions. I want some different questions. But the, the question that kept, kept coming to me, well, a, a couple things. One was with, with all of the noise and the chaos and the fear in the world right now, I, I wanted to ask you, how do you, how do you personally, and maybe this can, this can apply to everybody, but how do you personally find your inner compass? So you know what to do, what to be doing. Like, how, how do we find our inner compass amid all of this <laughs> chaos and noise? Well, uh, the whole thing is that we've really, uh, over our development uh, as people in this uh, culture, uh, we've lost touch with our own feelings. Uh, and, you know, like growing up, they say, don't go by your feelings. Listen to what somebody has to say. I go, biggest mistake we ever made. Because feelings are, uh, are really telling us, uh, they're giving us an energy readout. That's what feelings are, energy. Uh, and the 
premise that we start with, energy is life. <laughs> if you stop feeling, you start losing your life. And, and this is the whole point is that uh, things, events, people, and etc., all have an energy attached to them. If the energy is in harmony with us, it's called good vibes and we get lots of extra energy. If the energy in the world is in some way threatening us, then we have bad vibes, <laughs> which actually shortens our life. Uh, people have been living in fear. Uh, and the problem living in fear is you're canceling your vitality because you're buying into the, the news stories that they want to manipulate you. I had to get out of all that myself and start recognizing, wait, uh, Buckminster Fuller said it best. He said, don't go in and, and challenge the system. Step outside, build a better one. Uh, and, and it's essentially what I've done. I, I, I walk through the world like the other people go to the airports with all that stupid noise and all that kind of stuff like that. But I sort of... Uh, don't pay attention <laughs> because uh, I start recognizing we're creating with our consciousness. This, this is actually not new agey talk. Creating with consciousness is the foundation of quantum physics since 1927. Uh, Max Planck, one of the founding fathers uh, of quantum physics, uh, emphasized that the mind is the matrix of all matter. Uh, hence the, the title of the movie, The Matrix, which is about the control of the mind. Uh, conscious uh, uh, processing is creating our life. This is a fact in, in the most valid science on, on the planet, quantum physics. Now we have to own it. It says, well, if I'm creating my life, then how come I'm not creating heaven on earth? <laughs> and I go, oh, forgot to tell you that 5% um, of your life is the creative part where you actually get to create 5%. 95% of your life is actually not coming from the creative conscious mind, but is actually playing from the subconscious program. The subconscious is like a hard drive with programs. And we all got programmed in the first seven years. It's a very simple point is you have a computer, you get a brand new computer and you get it out of the store uh, and it boots up. If there's no programs in there, the, the screen lights up, but the computer is useless. So when we get a computer, the first thing we have to do is put in programs, read, write, web, whatever. Uh, and then you have access to the computer. So the mind and brain is a computer, supercomputer, in fact, uh, but it also uh, it, it boots up in the last trimester of pregnancy. A child's uh, fetus's brain is actually beginning to work in the last trimester of pregnancy. The screen is on and it starts downloading information at that point, which become programs. And the mind of a, an individual is in a state of hypnosis, which is referred to in uh, electroencephalograph, EEG, where they put wires on a brain's, a person's head and read their activity. Theta is below consciousness, uh, and theta is hypnosis, actually. And a child is in hypnosis for seven years. Significance is all of us got programmed because that seven year was how do you program your brain's hard drive before you can use it as a computer? And the programs then that we that were installed when we were in hypnosis at that period run our lives 95% of the time. And then here's the big monkey wrench in the game, and that is this, is that we download these programs by observing other people. So the programs in your hard drive subconscious mind didn't come from you but they came from the behavior of other people. And uh, psychologists give us an unfortunate fact about this, that 60% or so of the programs that we download before age seven are disempowering, self-sabotaging, and limiting beliefs. 
And then I say, yeah, but unfortunately, 95% of our life is coming from those programs. So yes, physics says consciousness is creating our life, but we have to own in, in the state of human, uh, the subconscious <laughs> with its programs is controlling 95% of our life. And it becomes uh, really difficult to for people to get this. And, and the reason is the conscious mind is creative. Yeah, that's what I said. It can have imagination and then manifest imagination. Whatever you can think of, you can create. But what we have to recognize is that creative mind only working 5% of the day uh, uh, leads to the fact that the subconscious programs that we got before age seven, and most of those programs we don't even know, uh, are running the show. And I say, well, wait, uh, if I had a negative program in my subconscious and I was using it, I'd be aware of, well, this is bad behavior. And then the monkey wrench I was talking about is this, Drew, and that is that the conscious mind, which is the creative one, it manifests wishes and desires, the things that we really like, uh, that conscious mind can also think. It's like, it can look out your eyes like uh, looking out the window of a vehicle and see where you're going and drive you. Conscious mind can drive you on any trail you want to go. But uh, unfortunate part about that is that the um, uh, conscious mind can also think. And you say, so what? And I go, well, if the conscious mind is thinking, it's not paying attention to what's going on out, out you know, through the window of that vehicle, your life. So when you are thinking, your conscious mind is directed inward. That's where thoughts are found. But while you're thinking, then who's running the machine? <laughs> and that's and the point is, this is where subconscious becomes autopilot. Mm. When you are thinking, your consciousness is not looking out the, the window anymore. It's inside looking at thoughts. Uh, and so your biological vehicle, your body, is now being driven by this, the autopilot, the subconscious. Well, those are the programs you got from other people. I said, well, I would see them. I go, no, this is why. Because when you're thinking, you're not looking out the window. So you don't even see your own behavior 95% of the day. Hmm. But other people see it. And then all of a sudden I say, well, if you have a program that is sabotaging you, uh, other people are going to respond to that program. You have no awareness that you are even playing a program. The, and this is very hard because when we don't see we're involved and things don't work out, the a logical conclusion of that is, well, gee, I wanted to be successful and it didn't work. So therefore, that person's uh, responsible and this person's interfering in my life and that's interfering in my life. And then we take on the role of victim as if the outside forces are, are, you know, interfering with our life. And I go, well, the outside forces are just responding to the program. <laughs> uh, and this is where the, the whole issue comes down to it. And I say, what? Well, the story I think I told, we talked about it last time, Drew, very simply understood is this. You have a friend, you know your friend's behavior very, very well, and you happen to know your friend's parent. Uh, and then one day you see your friend has the same behavior as their parents. So you get all excited. You know, you got to tell your friend, you go, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And I say, back away from Bill. I know exactly what Bill's going to say. Bill's going to say, how could you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. And people in the audience laugh because they all have that experience. I go, uh, Drew, this is the most profound story for this reason. The reason why Bill 
uh, can't see his own behavior is because he was thinking. And during the thinking process, his conscious mind wasn't observing what he was doing, but his outward behavior was just a direct play from the subconscious program. Well, he got those from his father. So when Bill's thinking, he plays his father's behavior and everyone else responds to that behavior. And the only one who can't see it is Bill <laughs> because he's thinking. So he doesn't see the behavior, but Bill sees the result of the behavior at the end of the day. He wasn't successful. He didn't get what he was looking for. He was stressed out. And at the end of the day, in that mode, he's really seeing himself as a victim of outside forces. And the whole profound nature of the story we just said is Bill playing his father's behavior, which was not supporting him, sabotaged him, but he didn't see it. Hmm. And, and then I say, I guess this is the whole point of the story, Drew, is we are all Bill. <laughs> every one of us, every day, playing programs that we don't see because 95% of a person's daily life is in thought. And if you're in thought, then by definition, you are not observing what's going on, uh, you know, outside. Uh, and you don't observe your own behavior, which is then sabotaging you because that behavior you're playing came from other people. So uh, I, I know I'm talking a lot here, Drew, but maybe yeah. I'll give one little analogy story. Maybe it'll make sense. And that is m most of you are old enough to drive a vehicle. I've been driving for a while and I go, uh, perhaps you've had this experience where you're in the car uh, and you're driving somewhere. You've got a passenger and you get so excited in the conversation back and forth between you and the passenger back and the passenger. And then at some moment you look out the window and you realize you haven't paid attention for the last five minutes. <laughs> and I go, well, a lot of people know that. I go, yeah, but here's what's important. You didn't hit anybody. You didn't crash the car. Everything is driving according to normal. I go, well, if you were in conversation, then your conscious mind was not paying attention to what was on the road. I go, yeah. So here's the, the conclusion of the story is I say, what was your conversation about? And you go, oh, we talked about this and this and this. And then the next question is, and what was on the road during that five minutes? And all of a sudden there's like, no, I have no idea what was on the road. <laughs> I go, yep. That was when the automatic pilot was driving your vehicle. You didn't even see what was going on. The subconscious was driving the car and your conscious mind had no awareness of it. Was your driving good or bad? I go, you have no idea. You weren't even there paying attention. So most of us, uh, and this is the valid nature of science says 95% of our life is uh, in thought. Then that means clearly just conclusion is simple. 95% of your life is being programmed by the downloads you got in the first seven years. And if those downloads don't support you, then 95% of the life you're sabotaging yourself and you're the only one that can't see it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so th this is the whole, whole important wake up. And I guess because I know the uh, uh, questions that come following this is very simply this is, oh, wh what programs did I get when I was being downloaded with programs before age seven? I go, well, that's the problem. The conscious mind didn't even kick in as a predominant activity until after age seven. So if I ask your conscious mind, well, tell me the program you got uh, in the last trimester of pregnancy. And you go, come on, you can't see. I don't know. I say, okay, tell me the program you got for a whole year. You were programmed from zero to one. 
tell me those programs. You go, no, I don't have any memory of that either. I say, no, you didn't have consciousness. I say, wait, you were programmed a whole year from one to two. How about those programs? No, I have no idea of that. And the same thing from two to three. What the point of this little thing is, you were programmed before you had conscious awareness of the program. And then these programs play when you're not paying attention. So the idea is, can I tell you what my programs are? I say, not by memory and going back and saying, I remember the program, but here's the key. Uh, and this is it. Uh, and you're so involved with this, Drew. Your, your whole presentation and, and effort here is to awaken people. So let's awaken them with this fact. And that is this. While you may not remember the programs that were downloaded, you are playing your programs 95% of the day. Simple point. Your life is a printout of your programs. And I go, yeah, I go, the things you like that come into your life, they come in because you have a program to acknowledge those things. But this is the one I want to emphasize. The things that you wish for, you desire, but it's not coming. And you're struggling and you're working hard. And you're putting a lot of effort in it. I'm going to sweat or I'm going to make this. I'm making this happen. I'm working hard. The point is, how come you have trouble getting to those destinations? And the answer is so simple, and that is your programs don't support that. So now I say you can look at your programs by looking where are you struggling in your life because struggle wasn't provided by the universe. Struggle is a consequence of our invisible programs uh, not supporting who we are, and all we see is the result. I, I'm sorry, Got on a talking <laughs> okay. so, No, Bruce, uh, maybe I'll stop it. at that moment. Let's talk. <laughs> no, I, no, I love it. You know, you know, I just wanted to just say. I mean, I love, I, I love it. I, I've, I've heard this before, and I can, I can eat it up every time. You know, I, I, I enjoy it so much. But Bruce, you know, when I saw you, I, I saw you in Massachusetts probably about four year, four years ago. I think it was 2018 at the Kripalu Institute, the Wellness yes. Center. And, and Bruce, I'll never forget, you know, it was a three day workshop with you and it was everybody was just was just blown away and we're getting so much great stuff. And the very last thing you said at the end of the whole workshop, really, I mean, everything stuck with me, but this this maybe even stuck with me the most when you said to everybody, you know, I don't work hard. I just put in the you know, I just put in the programs and it's and things are easy. And you know, it kind of relates to, to, to what you're saying. Cause it, cause it seems like I, I think of someone like, for instance, who's struggling with their weight or who's struggling with their, you know, with their job or something like that. And they've maybe been struggling with it for 50, 50 plus years and, and they're working so hard, but yet it's still such a struggle. And how you say, you know, you in your own life, you change the programs and then things just unfolded effortlessly, effortlessly and easily. Well, they're those programs that you have right now, you're not putting any effort into it, are you? It's just happening. All you see at the end of the day is, I guess it didn't work out the way my uh, desires were wishing, uh, and I didn't work out, and then you're lost because you don't even realize that 95% of the day, the behavior you were playing wasn't even supporting what you wanted. Uh, uh, but, but you, again, because you're unaware of it, uh, it has the experience of being like uh, you're a victim. You are a victim, but not of outside forces. You're a victim of programming that you got in that first seven years. Mm. You know, Bruce, I, I, I know last time you were on the show, because I, I, this is just such a this is such a crucial thing about how do we how do we change the programs, just like a computer that has a faulty program in it. 
but but we're the computer. And and last time you mentioned self hypnosis, you mentioned repetition, but you also mentioned something that I'd love for you to explore a little bit more is energy psychology, and, and Site K in particular. Maybe if you could tell us a little bit more about what what energy psychology is all about. Yeah. Uh- Conventional psychology, like cognitive therapy, et cetera, is that's that kind of therapy where you go in and you talk about uh, your life, your history, what happened, and all those kinds of things like that. And you replay and rehash your whole life story. And I go, well, that's not necessarily beneficial because whatever trauma you got the first time you had it, repeating this trauma over again, saying, oh, yeah, that happened. And then all of a sudden I say, you're going to get the same uh, uh, you know, programming experience just by repeating what you had in history. Uh, th- there's a, a very important um, ancient phrase called um, don't kill the messenger over the message. Uh, and that means, is, you know, I think some it was from times of, you know, golden age of Greece or something where a king sent a messenger uh, to uh, to an enemy, uh, and the enemy killed the messenger. But it was like, well, it wasn't the messenger that had the problem; it was the king. Uh, and if you kill the messenger, uh, the you know that had nothing to do with the program. So I say, we were programmed first seven years. That is a fact of life. And and as I said, it's a fundamental requirement to get your computer consciousness online. You have to do this programming, okay? And I say, okay, so I say, I got this programming, and we just described how you can identify them. And then I say, but how did you get the program, and why is it so difficult to change a program? Uh, w- one of the most important facts is that people don't realize is uh, the programs we're talking about are in the subconscious, and the subconscious is a hard drive like on a computer. And I go, significance is, well, the subconscious got programs and it doesn't change. And you have to do something very special to change the application, the program. You can't just talk to it. You can't talk to your computer and say, come on, computer, change the program. Uh, And the reason why is obviously there's no one in the subconscious mind or the computer hard drive. And you can talk to the subconscious mind. You can talk to the computer and tell it all your wishes and desires and what you want. And I go, that's great, but it's totally 100% ineffective because who are you talking to? <laughs> That's where the problem goes. I give myself a good talking to. I go, who are you talking to? Well, I'm talking to my subconscious. I go, nobody's in there. And this is the, the frustrating part because we keep trying to tell ourselves we can do better. I say we keep talking to ourselves. I go, well, nobody's listening, and that's why there's a big problem. So I say, how did we get the program? And this is really critical. Uh, we get the program when the uh, subconscious mind is, is recording our life experiences. Uh, and all these programs of subconscious, they're not bad. There are a lot of great programs in that subconscious. I mean, we learned how to walk before we were two. You could be 102 and you're still walking. I go, yeah, and that's the original program from before two. Uh, programs are like our habits and habits don't want to change. So I said, okay, how did I get the program and how come I have trouble changing it? And here's the answer. Now, you know that uh, if you see a picture of a brain, there's a line right down the center of the brain from front to back, right down, splits the brain into left and right uh, hemispheres, we call them. And I go, each hemisphere has a different function. I'll, I'll give a character, let's say the left hemisphere is intellectual, okay? And the right hemisphere is more emotional. 
so I said, okay, so what? And I go, in the first seven years of a child's life, both hemispheres are working in harmony at the same time. It's called whole brain. And I go, so why? I say, well, every experience has a, uh, an intellectual and an emotional component to it. And that's what you learned and that's what you're downloading. Okay. Now, after age seven, this is where something dramatic happens. I go, what? The two minds separate, meaning they're not functioning at the same time anymore. The, the, it's called ultra radian, where uh, the left, let's say the left hemisphere works for maybe a couple of hours. And then right after that, the left hemisphere shuts down its priority and the right hemisphere becomes the priority side. And the right hemisphere is the emotional side. And then after a couple hours or so, it switches back. So sometime during the day, you're in the left hemisphere being more intellectual in how you respond to your life. And later in the same day, you'll be more emotional in how you respond to your life. So I say that every experience has an intellectual and an emotional component to it. After age seven, the two minds, as I said, separate in one place and then the other place. They're not integrated anymore. But if you want to make a change, and I said, well, how are you going to make a change? Because both hemispheres are not working at the same time anymore. That was a super learning experience. That's how kids can, uh, uh, before they're seven, they could learn three languages simultaneously as separate entities, separate vocabularies, and separate grammar. They can learn these before age seven. But try and teach one new language to a child after age seven, and then you start to see it's very much more difficult to do it. And that's because after age seven, the hemispheres are now not working in harmony with each other. They're separate. So I say, well, if you want to get back again to a quick download, then you want both hemispheres to work at the same time. And energy psychology engages the uh, hemispheres to work at the same time while offering an opportunity to say when those hemispheres start to work at the same time, it's like a window opens up in the mind and you can download when those two hemispheres are working together. You can download again, just like a child before seven can pick it up. Super learning. So I go, okay, energy psychology is not cognitive psychology. It says go back and beat up the messenger. The hell with a messenger. They're not even there. You walked away with a message. So do I have to go backwards in psychology and say who did what to who? And I go, absolutely, totally irrelevant. Why? You walked away with a message. You didn't walk away with a messenger. So I said, well, what's the message? And I go, well, that's what we just talked about. I say the messages are the behaviors that you are playing. And we just mentioned the good ones that come to you, the things that you like, well, th those are good uh, messages in your program, but the ones that you struggle over, you know, to better job, better relationship, better health, the things you want to fix, and you're struggling, I go, oh, uh, there's a problem because those behaviors are not supporting you. And I say, I want to change them. And I say, great, you want to change them? I say, you cannot easily change them if it's dominant in one hemisphere and then later dominant in the other hemisphere. That's a separation. That's not whole brain anymore. So in many of the energy psychology programs, uh, they engage uh, super learning. You go, what, what's super learning? I go, well, uh, maybe you've seen somebody even read a book by moving their finger down the page. As fast as they move the finger down the page, they read every word on that page. That's super learning. And if you can engage super learning by installing a new program, then you can put a program in in minutes 
But to do that, you have to have right and left hemisphere integrated together at the same time when you're ready to download the program. So I said, well, how do you do that? And I go, well, there's a physical way of doing it. And I go, what do you mean? I go, well, if you have any memory of how the brain is controlling, then you recognize this, that uh, um, we are in, in separate uh, hemispheres after age seven, want to bring them back together again. And that increases the opportunity of learning because we learn both in intellectual and the emotional aspect of everything we want to change. So I got, okay, so now what? I said, well, how do you get them to work together? Well, the way to get them to work together is a physical process. It's actually called Cook's Hookup. And I go, what the heck is that? And I go, let's say my right arm is controlled by my left hemisphere. That's the, the funny story about the biology. The, the opposite side, the hemisphere controls the opposite side of the body that it's on. So I mean, the left hemisphere uh, is controlling the right side of the body and the right hemisphere is controlling the left side of the body. And I say, so what? And I say, so if I'm moving my right arm, which hemisphere is controlling that? I go, the left hemisphere, it's the one on the other side. Now comes the secret. But if my right arm crosses in front of me and crosses the other side of my body, so it's on the left side of my body, that activates the right hemisphere. So if you cross your arms or you cross your legs, then what you're doing is causing both hemispheres to actually integrate and fire at the same time. Well, when you're in that cook's hookup, then what happens is after a moment or two of crossing your arms and crossing your legs, there's a calming sensation. As a matter of fact, if people are anxious uh, or people are just relaxing, think about this. If you're relaxing, maybe all of us do this. If sometimes you're sitting in a chair and you're relaxing, you cross your ankles. I go, this is not a, a coincidence or just an accident. Uh, crossing your ankles is one step in Cook's hookup. And when you cross your ankle, it calms you down because whole brain is calming. And so when you cross your left ankle over your right ankle, uh, over the midline, then the left and the right hemispheres start to work together. That was the same action as a child before seven. So just as fast as an a child below seven can have an experience and then make a program out of it. When you're in Cook's hookup, you return to that state. And that means that when you're in Cook's hookup and you get both hemispheres firing together at the same time, and then you put in a statement you want to be true. And I'll give you the statement that 80, 90% of people will fail. I've seen it for 15, 20 years. Uh, 80 to 90% of the people will not test positive for, I love myself. Uh, and this is all based on the problems of being criticized as a child and then walking away with a criticism and then the rest of your life criticizing yourself <laughs> with the same program. So uh, basically, it, it really gives us an opportunity to say, well, what if I get back into that whole brain state? And I say, now you can rewrite a program because whatever you're going to <clears throat> put in to your mind while you're in Cook's hookup, you could say to yourself, I love myself. And, and it's interesting, very simple experiences. Uh, let's say you're in Cook's hookup. We tested whether you love yourself or not. Uh, There's a little sidebar for our audience right here. Testing. I say, how do you test? I go, here's a simple point. The conscious mind is creative. The subconscious mind's got programs. Okay. I go, 
So the conscious mind can say anything. It's totally creative. I have two heads. You can say that. But the issue is then the subconscious mind tries to verify that statement by looking at its programs. If the subconscious mind does not support that program, then guess what? The two minds are no longer in harmony. I go, what does that mean? I say, well, the subconscious mind controls all the muscles of the body. It's a supercomputer. It's got powerful control to control all the muscles. I go, so what? I say, if the subconscious mind is not in harmony with the conscious mind, then the subconscious mind's function is weakened. And I go, so what? I go, but that means the muscles get weakened. So when you're doing what is called kinesiology muscle testing, you can use any set of muscles in the body. I mean, most people use like put your arm out and then try to uh, push on the arm, push it down and have the person uh, hold still. Uh, if the uh, statement they make is in harmony with them, then the conscious and subconscious agree with the statement. The muscle is hard as a rock. You're not going to move it. But if you make a statement such as I love myself, and the subconscious doesn't agree with that statement, the muscles get weak. So first thing is this, how do I talk to the subconscious? The answer is you use the muscles as a, as a test. You make a conscious statement, and then you see if the subconscious agrees by, if the muscles stay strong, the subconscious got a program agrees with that. But if the muscles go weak, subconscious says no. So we do the test. You say, I love myself. You put your, you know, you have your arm out and somebody's going to do muscle testing by pulling down on your arm. Uh, there's a, a bit of procedure to do this, but right now it's just say we're muscle testing, pulling on the arm. You say, I love myself. Your arm drops. And that means your subconscious doesn't agree with that. So I say, now what? I say, ah, if you can get the subconscious and the conscious back into hemisync, it's hemispherical synchronization where they're working together again. And then you sit there in that cook's hookup and you say to yourself, uh, I love myself. Well, if you failed that test when you first did it and now uh, now you're sitting in cook's hookup and you say, I love myself, there's going to be like a, a static in the body. It's, yeah, it's not going to be accepted very easily because the subconscious doesn't agree with it. So I say, what do you do? You sit in this posture. You say, I love myself. I go, great. But then you feel, what is the body saying? It's, it's not easy with it, okay? I then say, guess what? Say it again. I love myself. Wait, experience what the body is saying. How does it feel about it? And you sit there in that cook's posture. You repeat silently to yourself, I love myself. You pause. You feel an experience. And there's a point where you repeat this while you're in cook's hookup. Uh, and all of a sudden, you, you, a change occurs. I can give you my, it's personal for each one I got, but I can tell you my personal change is when I'm putting in a program and, uh, you know, I'm repeating it and then waiting and then repeating and waiting it after a number of repetitions, uh, my mind goes, Oh, okay. Bored. My mind gets bored. No feeling neutral. I'm bored. And I say, Oh, that means maybe my subconscious has now accepted this program. Hmm. So the next step in the process is, well, let's do the muscle test again. So you stand up, you put your arm out, you say, I love myself. If that program, which you were just putting in by repetition, it, it takes effect, guess what? Your arm will be solid as a rock. 
I go, what, how many minutes? I go, maybe five minutes, maybe six minutes. I go, what does your arm being solid as a rock represent? I go, it means the subconscious now agrees with the statement. And that means you now just reprogram the subconscious. This is energy psychology. Hmm. Nowhere in there did I go back and say, how did you get the program? It's not relevant how you got the program. You have the program. What's relevant, how do you change the program? Well, as you mentioned, the three ways, the two natural ways is how we got the program. In the first seven years, the brain was in a lower vibration than consciousness called theta, hypnosis, and we downloaded it. After age seven, we still learn new programs. I say, but how'd you learn them then? I go, repetition, habituation, practice. You want to drive a car? Practice driving the car. You want to play an instrument? Practice. And I say, every time you do repetition, practice, uh, it strengthens the program. So uh, before age seven, hypnosis puts a program in. After age seven, practice or repetition puts a program in. And the third way is what we just talked about, energy psychology, because the first two ways, hypnosis and practice, that's a time-consuming experience. you got to repeat this and repeat this. Energy psychology, five, ten minutes, you put a program in, you walk away, that is now your program. That is the most amazing thing. <laughs> that's amazing, Bruce. I was going to actually ask you that, like how long, so the program is now in there. I love myself or whatever it is. And yes. It's, and it's there for, for, for life, right? Right, until you change the program. So oh. that's the beautiful part. You, you can put in a program, and later if you say, no, I didn't get that exactly right. I want to change the program. I go, great, then change it again. Uh, see, so the whole life we're open to uh, rewriting programs until we get it to work the way we want it. Mm, that's beautiful. That, that's so cool, uh, Bruce. I'm going to be taking a course with um, uh, Robin Graham. Oh, she's great. She's great. Oh, you psyche. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm... She's great. You're, uh, it's a great. I just want to tell you, because my whole life is uh, 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 the one I have now was not the life that I started with, especially before the psyche. Uh, uh, you know, I had a great life in my regard to my professional career, but uh, my personal life really sucked. <laughs> and uh, I started to rewrite programs because I got my let's say my personal programs of, uh, from observing my father. Well, if you observe my father, you say, well, he's quite a dysfunctional as a family father. And I go, yeah, he wasn't. Yet I downloaded his behavior. So 95% of the day, I was playing the program I downloaded from him, which was self-sabotaging. So uh, I, I had trouble. I couldn't get a relationship off the ground for 45 years. <laughs> so uh, it was ah, changing that programming I got from my father. Uh, and, and how did it change? Well, you know, uh, as we talked about previously, uh, I, I'm with my partner, Margaret. I met her at 50. Uh, we both understood the nature of programming. We both then took the opportunity to reprogram any uh, behavior that showed up out of the subconscious that wasn't helping our relationship, replaced them with loving programs. And, and I've been on a honeymoon with Margaret for over 25 years right now. That's why I wrote mm. the book, The Honeymoon Effect, a guy who couldn't get a relationship off the ground 
is celebrating a honeymoon every day, 25 years. It's an amazing experience. <laughs> That's amazing. And it's so hopeful. Well, well, well Bruce, I'm 48. So uh, I'm- Oh, well, you got I'm, time I'm, yet, Drew. You're working <laughs> on it. <laughs> I'm right in the same same ballpark. Okay. So I'm going to start a Psyche course, um, yeah, in a couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm very excited. I, I like the, the, the Psyche process because you reprogram. And I say, well, can I see that reprogram? Do I experience that reprogram? I go- if we reprogrammed, uh, uh, you know, a person has a, let's say, a phobia about spiders, okay? And I say, let's reprogram so uh, I'm not afraid of spiders or, some, you know, there's a, you actually put, I like spiders. It's actually the positive present tense. That's what programs have to be. They can't be future like I will like spiders or something <laughs> like that or I will heal myself. Because if you make a recording of that and I say, today I wrote, uh, you know, here's what I recorded today. I will heal uh, myself from cancer. I said, great. Now I said, let's come back next year and let's hear what that program says. And you push the program into place. I will heal myself from cancer. I go, oh, you're still willing to heal, but you haven't done it. I go, yeah, because the program didn't say I have healed myself. It says I will heal myself. Mm. So I'm always in will. The point about it is you have to make the statement positive present tense. I am healthy. I am lovable whatever it is, as if, you know, you have what you have right now. If you do this with a phobia like a spider and you say, um, I love spiders, uh, before you did this balance, the spider would freak you out. Immediately after you do the balance, you could bring a spider into that person and their behavior will be completely different than their behavior 10 minutes earlier. Okay. Uh, and I go, well, yeah, because I can give you the stimulus and you can make the response. But let's say uh, I am in, I am lovable uh, and you're looking for a relationship. I go, well, uh, I just balanced. I am lovable. I just got out of the balance. I'm not in a relationship. Uh, what do I have to do? I have to go out and find a relationship. So some programs like phobias, the uh, process can, can uh, you know, reverse that phobia within a few minutes. But if it's a process of making a relationship, healing yourself or something like that, it may take a little more time because you have to go out and engage life to manifest the change. So uh, I'm afraid of spiders. I can resolve that in five minutes. I'm afraid of flying on an airplane. I can resolve that in five minutes. I am uh, seeking a healthy, uh, loving relationship. Oh, well, that might take me a little more longer than five <laughs> minutes. Or, you know, some people say, uh, I want to be a pilot. And they and they test their system. Does their system agree there can be a pilot? I say, yep, look, I just tested strong. Uh, I am a pilot. And I said, I'm not getting in a plane with you. <laughs> <laughs> you now go out and fly the damn plane for experience. So uh, that's what the whole difference is. The change occurs immediately. But the only ones you can see immediately are the ones where you can present the stimulus immediately. Mm. The other programs, you actually have to go out and engage in life. And then you can look back and go, oh, my goodness, my whole life is different than it has been in the past. Then you see it. Mm -hmm. that, that's the issue. Unbelievable. So, Bruce, just a, just a few final questions here. I, yeah. I wanted I wanted to just get your thoughts on this. You know, one of the themes that's been coming up on the this, this show has been mental health with young people and how a lot of young people right now are really struggling with a lot of anxiety and just feeling overwhelmed. If, if some young people were with you, Bruce, what, what might you tell them? 
I would really start to tell them, okay, so uh, you grew up in an environment that didn't support you. That's what it's all about. Go ahead, watch the TV. Is that is that news supporting you? No. You know, uh, is the pandemic information supporting you? No. <laughs> and I go, children have been growing up in that first seven years where the world, from their perception, but more importantly, from their parents and community's perception, that's where they're downloading it, those perceptions aren't uh, a perception of life is beautiful, life is wonderful and healthy and enjoyable and love and pleasure and all that. Those aren't programs that are coming into these kids. These kids are like, life's a struggle. It's not working, not enough money. I can't get health care. I'm concerned if I can pay the rent. I, I say, these are fears. And if a child grows up in fears, then guess what? Their programs are all fear related. And I go, so what? And here, ha, so let, let's put a, a cap on this for this point. And I say, what, what do you mean? So I have fears in my thoughts. I go, people don't recognize uh, that our thoughts are not contained in our head. I go, what do you mean? I said, well, we can read your brain activity by putting wires on your head, electroencephalograph, and I could read your brain activity. And a lot of people think, yeah, that activity is going on inside my head. There's another device to read brain activity. It's not electroencephalograph. It's called magnetoencephalograph. It reads brain function. But the most important point is in magnetoencephalograph, I'm reading your brain function with a probe that doesn't even touch your body. It's outside. I goes, wait, wait a minute. The probe is not even touching me. It's outside somewhere and it's reading my brain function. Yes, and the point is profound because it says, your thoughts are not contained in your head. Your thoughts are broadcast into the field. I go, so what? And I say, uh, famous quote from Albert Einstein, most famous and most important quote, the field, which is the energy, which includes our thoughts. The field is the sole governing agency of matter. And it says, oh my goodness, then the material world is really controlled by the energetic world. And I go, yes, it is. That's a fact of quantum physics. And I go, yeah, but <laughs> the energetic world includes our thoughts. I go, yes, that's true. And this is where quantum physics says, yes, your thoughts are manifesting your world experience because your thoughts are being broadcast into the field. The significance is thoughts are energy vibrations. I go, yeah, but if two energy vibrations are in harmony with each other, it's called resonance, and they can empower each other. Two, two low vibrations in harmony can come together and increase the power of the vibration. That's called good vibes. It's also in science called constructive interference. And I go, so the point is this. Your thoughts are vibrations. They're going out in the field. If your thoughts are of love, then what's it going to resonate with? Any energy associated with love. If your thoughts are about fear, this is the problem then you're broadcasting uh, thoughts that will not activate love because that's not the same resonance. If, you active, if you're sending out fear thoughts, I say, well, what does that resonate with? What is that harmonic with? I say, something to be afraid of. That you put out a fear thought and something that to be afraid of will show up in your life. Why? It's resonance. <laughs> I, 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 if I send out a love thought, then hopefully uh, the resonance brings love into my life. But if I send out a fear thought, equally powerful, equally powerful, it will not bring love into my life. It'll bring fear into my life. And then we go back. Yep, exactly what quantum physics is telling us. Our consciousness is manifesting this experience 
because our thoughts, our consciousness broadcast into the field will only activate those things that are in harmony with that vibration. Mm -hmm. And I say there's profound difference. Uh, People, I think, love and hate are opposites. I go, no, no, love and fear are opposites because uh, hate is a strange form of love. I go, what do you mean? I say, to hate somebody, you have to hold on to them. <laughs> if, if you want to hate them, you got to hold them and say, I hate you. If you're fearing something, you don't hold on to it, man. You go completely the other way. Mm. So uh, the opposite of love is fear. You send out love vibrations. It resonates with things that represent love and harmony to you. If you send out fear vibrations, they will cause whatever is fearful to manifest for you. Simple point. A mugger hides in the shadows and everybody's walking by. And I go, what is the mugger doing? He's reading the brain activity of the people walking by. He knows the one who's weak versus those that are strong. And I say, Sid, the mugger will not attack a strong person because there'll be a fight. Mm. <laughs> the mugger will attack the weakest person. Why? Because the weakest person will give everything up without any fight. Here, take it. Got it. Leave me alone. Take it. And I say, it's not random who they pick. They can read the fives. I say, yeah, you know why? Your thoughts are broadcast into the field. And you've done this before. You've read people without even knowing you were doing it. You got near somebody. You had feelings about them. Why? Because their vibes were uh, affecting your vibes. So whole biggest story in the whole life that we've been talking about, Drew, is are you creating the heaven on earth? Are you creating the world that's outside that you don't even want? I go, you're creating a world you don't want because your program that you got, especially before age seven, supports the world you don't want, (laughs) bad programming. Uh, And that's why we manifest it. So uh, the point is, what if I change the programming? And we talked about that. And I said, yeah, I'll give you the best example. I couldn't get a relationship off the ground until after 45. I met Margaret when I was 50. And I go, so what? I go, I wrote a book called The Honeymoon Effect. Why? because I'm living in this honeymoon world for so many years. I go, significance was this. I had to change my programming to accommodate love in my life because my father's programming didn't offer that. I changed that programming. And my life is radically different (laughs) than the first 50 years. I love my life. I enjoy my life every day. Then you say, yeah, but the world's crazy. I go, my vibrations broadcast from my head do not resonate with that world. And so I can see that world, but it doesn't physiologically affect me. I could see all the stuff going on. Am I going to let it bother me? I say, the only ones I want to bother me are the ones I'm interested in connecting with their vibration. And if we all understand this, then there's a point that you can look out the window and say, I don't like the world the way it's working. And I say, yeah, but you're, in, you're the creator of that world. You don't like the world? then change the creation. And this is how, you know, we talked about the the changing of the subconscious because uh, you want to stay mindful. Uh, Mindful means I'm not thinking. And I go, yeah, you know, when you're mindful, uh, that's equivalent to the red pill in the matrix because when you're mindful, you stop thinking. And if you stop thinking, then the subconscious doesn't engage. And now you're only operating from the conscious mind, wishes and desires. That's what the honeymoon comes from when you fall in love. You stop thinking. That is the red pill. Falling in love is one of them. I go, what happens? 
you stop thinking. And I say, then what? You're not playing programs. Then what? You're operating from the conscious mind. And what's that? Wishes and desires. So all of a sudden you understand when two people fall in love, neither of them is going to play their programs. They're going to play wishes and desires. Wishes and desires is the manifestation we call the honeymoon effect. So uh, it, it's so important to recognize how could your life be blah, blah, blah. You meet somebody and 24 hours later, it's heaven on earth. I go, you stop playing the program. And if you want that life then for permanent, then what you do is what we just talked about. Go back in and reprogram that subconscious, whether it's hypnosis, habituation, or energy psychology. Rewrite the program and your life will change instantaneously. And that is a fact. Mm. Bruce, thank you so much, my good man, my good friend. Um, hey, Drew, I'm for... so happy to ha have this opportunity to, to speak with you because I really, really support everything you're doing because uh, you're, you're part of the community of uplifting the consciousness that is necessary at this pivotal time in human history where the consciousness we've been operating from is causing our own extinction. The only way out is change the consciousness. And I just wanted to acknowledge that uh, your program is profoundly important to mm. wake people up and say, stop being victims, folks. We are creators. And if it's a victim, your experience, it's not you, it's your program. Uh, and and this is going to help us evolve to a, a, not just survive, but to thrive on planet Earth. Oh, beautiful. Bruce, Thank you. People that want to want to learn more about you, your books, your work, your your workshops, where should they go to find you? Very simple. BruceLipton.com. <laughs> there it is. There uh, it is. And there's so much on there. And I highly recommend that uh, you get the free newsletter. Every, every month there's a newsletter. Mm. Uh, and uh, my nephew, the videographer, Alex, uh, we create these videos. They're usually very fun. Uh, edutainment. Uh, laugh and learn videos. <laughs> well, well, Bruce, speaking of laughing, um, you know, the last episode we, we sang All You Need Is Love. And I, and I, you know, Here Comes the Sun is one of my favorites. And I'd love to just sing a few lines with you because it's been sort of a long, cold, lonely winter and, and we need that sun to come back. And I'd love to just, um, in fact, if you just want to come in with do, 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 I can, okay. uh, I, I can start Bruce, just like last time. Here comes the sun. sun. Do, do, do. <laughs> Here comes the sun. Do, do, do. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Bruce, thank you so much, my, my friend. This is, uh, such an honor and, uh, we will, uh, you know, hopefully we'll talk again next year. <laughs> I, I so appreciate it because uh, uh, life is moving on here real fast. And I just want people to recognize that we've unfortunately been dis disempowered by programming that has passed from generation to generation. So the programs you got, actually, you may have gotten them from your parents, but they got them from their parents and their parents. And uh, there's a point where, okay, let's stop. Let's do not pass this negative stuff to the next generation. Uh, and it's uh, and that's when we become what is called conscious parents, where we really decide that when my kid is absorbing everything I'm doing and saying that I'm going to provide the most powerful uh, uh, experiences so that my child will download those, you know, being uh, smart, being lovable, being healthy, all these wonderful things. Uh, that's being a conscious parent. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we want our children to, to grow up and be powerful. But in that process, then we have to recognize we're the parents. We're putting the fundamental programs in there. And if we start to really put in programs of empowerment for our children, the whole world is going to change. And uh, I think this is what nature is uh, uh, giving us uh, this chaos at this moment to say, wake up, change the program, <laughs> because this is not sustainable. Absolutely. Bruce, can we can we uh, record another hour? I could just listen to you again. For, uh... <laughs> but uh... I'd like to come back, Drew, because, again, <laughs> I, I appreciate your audience uh, because they're the cultural creatives. These are people that are looking, obviously, for how can I get through this stuff and, and not just get through it? How can I thrive as I get through this stuff? And uh, your platform is a, a wonderful uh, opportunity for people to gain information for self-empowerment. Absolutely. Bruce, thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Talk to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor, and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, discover, and stay well, everyone.